Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, all this month at East Church, and by extension on this podcast, we've been looking at the way of faithful discipleship, which is also the way of life abundant. But what exactly is this life abundant, and what does that mean for you and me? That's the question asked in this, the final message of this sermon series, and it's based on Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and John 10, verses 7 through 10. And it starts with a few life questions of my own. And Jesus said to them, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. I don't know, perhaps it's a byproduct of having turned 60 years old this year. Or maybe it's simply that we're now inching towards late autumn and there's another long New England winter looming on the horizon. But you know what? I have to confess to you that these days I've been thinking a whole lot about life. Life its own self, you know? What it all means and at the end of the day, what is it about life that makes it abundant? Now, to have life is certainly a good thing. It's desirable. It's it's important. It's living and breathing. It's, it's everything that, that, that we are about in life. How much more so then, writes theologian and pastor David Loos, is abundant life. The chance to not simply persist, but thrive. To not simply exist, but flourish. To have a sense of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. To know and be known, to accept and be accepted. Lose goes on to say that if there's one thing that pretty much everyone desires, even if they can't name that desire, it's this. And I would agree. I mean, we hear that sentiment expressed all the time, don't we? That there's years to your life, but what really counts is that there's life to your years. Uh, It's not the number of breaths you take, but the number of moments that take your breath away. Or maybe it's simply the difference between being able to wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, Lord, as opposed to rolling out of bed and saying, Good Lord, it's morning. (laughs) All I know, friends, is that the kind of life I want, that is the good morning, Lord, attitude, not the other. That's what I'm looking for, especially now that I'm looking eventually, mind you, towards my third act. I mean, like anybody else, I do have this vision in my mind's eye of how life should be. But as I say, sometimes I do wonder about the way of such abundance. What is it that truly makes for abundant life? 
Now, of course, Madison Avenue and the ever-shifting pop culture of this world would love to sell you on the idea of what abundant life looks like. You know, beauty, fun, romance, hope, identity, relationship, joy, community, and popularity. Madison Avenue wants you to think that's what life is all about. But they also, by the way, if you haven't noticed, they want you to know that such things are attained through money and fashion and the perfect physique by driving the best car, by having the most up-to-date iPhone. And of course, and you know, maybe it's my age again, but I'm hearing this a lot on television lately. It is also the ability and the resources to retire rich. Even social media gets into the act. Do you know, you probably have read this, there's been a move afoot to remove like buttons on sites like Facebook and Instagram. You know, the like buttons, in case you don't know, those are the little thumbs ups and hearts and angry faces that people put on your posts uh, in response to something that you have said. And they're thinking, uh, and I think in Instagram it's already happened, but they're thinking of removing that function altogether in part because so many people have begun to place their whole perception of personal popularity and success and, and acceptance on the numbers of or the complete lack thereof of the likes they have received. People sometimes are measuring too much about their lives based on how many thumbs up they get or conversely on all the negative feedback they get online. It has become a source of anger and bullying uh, in, in, amongst our youth as well. As though the meaning and the abundance of a life could ever be determined by one's identity on social media. My own podcast page on Facebook does currently have 107 followers. And that's pretty cool, but I digress. <laughs> My point, friends, is that there is so much in this world, so much in this culture that purports to provide a life abundant. But as the saying goes, it hits all the right notes, but it's not the song. In fact, I'll go one step further here. Not only do these worldly efforts ultimately fail to bring life in any lasting or meaningful way, because it always ends up that the abundance that's promised inevitably will come up to the next big thing that there is, it also, I believe, tends to steal away the qualities of life that really matter. It's actually not unlike what Jesus was talking about in our text for this morning, when he refers to the thief who comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. We're all seeking true life and to have it abundantly. But so often that which we desperately cling to for that purpose will rob us of that true life. When it comes to providing abundant life, these are the thieves, the bandits, the impositors, and potentially even the hired hands who would actively seek to put the sheep, that is you and me, in danger. But here's the good news. In the face of all that, we do have a good shepherd. 
in the wonderful words of Nadia Bowles-Weber. In a world where people are being fed spoonfuls of nonsense and told that it is Jesus, we have a better gospel. And that better gospel comes in the good shepherd who not only stands at the gate for the sheep, but who is the gate and who says, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now let me just say at this point that this whole section of the 10th chapter of John from which our text this morning was drawn and which Kat uh, read to us earlier is amongst the, the richest, the most evocative, and at least in terms of point of view, one of the more perplexing passages in John's Gospel. I mean, first Jesus talks about anyone not entering the sheepfold by the gate being a thief or a bandit. Then it's all about the gatekeeper whose voice the sheep recognize. And then, as we've said, it's Jesus referring to himself as the gate. And then, most prominently, in the verse that most of us remember the, the, the most, it's about how he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd who knows and cares for his flock, even to the point of laying down his life. There's a lot there. Jesus comes at this particular parable from a whole bunch of different angles. And that's why we preachers tend to divide up those verses in our preaching. Do you see that there's this overarching theme to this whole metaphor of sheep and shepherd and sheep gate? It's that Jesus is the one, the only one, who saves those sheep from all the predators of this world and whoever and always cares for the sheep that they may have life and not just have life, not just exist, mind you, but to have life that is abundant and full. So, given all that, friends, what is the way of life abundant that Jesus offers us? Actually, you know, it's right there in Jesus' words about the shepherds and the sheep. And, and it really comes down to three things. Protection, provision, and presence. Now, for those of us uh, that were maybe looking for something more ornate, more full, rich, bold, that's it. Caroline Lewis of uh, Lutheran Seminary writes, that is it. Not observable opulence, not assumed affluence, not luxury or lavishness. No, it seems that abundant life, at least according to Jesus, is knowing that you're going to be safe and sound. That you trust that all your basic needs will be met and that you will know and come to believe always that you are never alone. That may be different from what we imagine, but that is pretty good indeed. It's worth noting here that Jesus' words about the care of the good shepherd, it actually comes on the heels of Jesus in chapter 9, having just healed a man born blind. You might remember this story. This was a man who was reduced to begging on the pool of Siloam and and by virtue of this healing was not only given the ability to see, but also by virtue of that was given a whole new life. To quote uh, Caroline Lewis again, even when afterward this formerly blind man has been thrown out by the religious leaders, because remember, 
the Pharisees were not all that keen on this healing having taken place on the Sabbath. And even though he was cast out again from the community and exposed to the elements, because even his uh, brothers and sisters and family and community were skeptical of what was going on, even though all of that happened in the wake of this healing, Jesus sought him out. Jesus found him and was there for him, bringing him the assurance of his protection, his provision, his presence. Because you see, that's what it means to be part of that flock of sheep, Jesus' flock of sheep. Because that is the blessing of having Jesus with you always. That is what it is to have life and to have it abundantly. It's also why Jesus almost immediately in John's gospel responds to all of this back and forth with the people and the Pharisees and the blind man by saying to all those people, to all those who also were probably confused by Jesus' mixed metaphor, and I'm going to quote from the message version of this now, I'll be explicit then. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the one who will lay down my life for the sheep. And Jesus goes on and he says, all those others, they're up to no good. They're sheep stealers, every one of them. A thief is only there to, to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. See, at the end of the day, all through the day, in fact, the way of abundant life is the life that's spent with Jesus. The life in which you are blessed with Jesus' protection, Jesus' provision, and his presence. You know, like I said before, I do wonder at times about my life. I think about what the future holds for me, what's going to happen to my family and, and all the people that I love. And I know it's still a ways off yet, but I do think a little bit about retirement these days and what it's going to look like and how we're going to manage. And, and like many of you, I suspect, in these ever-changing and sometimes insanely crazy times we live in, I cannot help but worry a bit about what this world is going to look like for our children and our grandchildren. I wonder what life is going to be and how abundant it can be. And truthfully, beloved, I wonder what's going to happen with this church as the future unfolds in its unpredictable way. And don't misunderstand me here. First of all, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, so don't worry about that. Seems like every time I mention something like this, somebody's afraid I'm going to announce I'm leaving. Unless you know something I don't, that's not the case. And also don't misunderstand here, because I'm not saying that I'm worried about the church. Not at all. Oh yes, we do have our concerns and our challenges and the uncertainties in this place. And I, not only would I be less than honest, I wouldn't be any kind of a pastor if I didn't confess that there's not a year when I don't fret a little bit about budget and offerings and, and how the rest of the building will get painted. I want to know eventually how we're going to get the church painted beyond the six feet that Art Grant painted all around the church. <laughs> but I don't worry about it. That's the point. 
I don't worry about this church. I don't worry about our ministries. I don't worry about our life together because we have the Lord. And the Lord is our shepherd, our good shepherd. And he has come. He has gathered us together so that we can have life and have it abundantly. And so just as I know in faith that the Lord will most certainly see me in, in and through everything that happens in my own life, I am convinced that as you and I walk this way together, East Church and the ministry we share will not simply persist, but thrive. And that we will not merely exist in this world and in this life, but flourish. Not only right here and right now, not just in 2020, but as we say every Sunday, from season to changing season, from age to age the same. You see, friends, the great joy that we have in walking the way of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that wherever we go, wherever we're led, wherever this windy, twisted road of life takes us, we are never going alone on the journey. And wherever that pathway goes, and however long the journey individually And collectively, we are walking as God's children. And as such, we are known. We are known by the God who has created us in his image and for his great pleasure. We are loved with love unfathomable. We are protected along every step of the way in this life and eternally in the next. And we're provided for provided all that we'll ever need by the one who is the very source of all our blessing. We are strengthened and we are empowered by his countenance. We have and shall always know our Lord's presence in trial and rejoicing. It's not that things will be easy. I have said that before. And it's not that we will never be asked to step up or to be patient, or to be strong, and always to be prayerful. But we will be strengthened and led. As our epistle today puts it, that we may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you and I may be filled with the fullness of God. And if that's not life abundant, then I dare say nothing else could ever be. Beloved, may God bless you and me as we navigate the way as we walk along the joys, the challenges, and all the blessed uncertainties of this life. May God bless all of his creation with inspiration as it struggles to live in these times with mercy and kindness, with humility, and with divine grace. And may God bless his church. May God bless this church with power for love, 
and the strength to be Jesus' disciples here on Mountain Road and beyond. And may God grant us all life, not just life, but life abundant, with the wisdom and the spirit to walk the way ahead with faith and ever and always with joy. And may we do so with our thanks unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, The Way of Life Abundant. It was recorded during our October 27th service of worship, and it wraps up our current sermon series about the way of faithful discipleship. If you're interested, you can backtrack through earlier episodes of this podcast and hear the other messages in this series about the ways of true worship, authentic leadership, and faithful giving. And if you're wondering what's happening next at East Congregational Church, I'd invite you to join us for a service of worship. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord. We are, as I like to say, a small but mighty congregation, and I guarantee you will feel welcome the moment you walk in the door. I'd really love to have the chance to greet you in person. Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening to this podcast on whatever platform you use including Anchor, of course, or Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and this just in, iHeartRadio. Check out those sites for more details and to subscribe to receive future episodes. And while you're at it, send me a message or drop me a line. I really would love to hear what you're thinking. So until next time, may God bless you with a great and abundant day. Talk to you soon.